All right, back on the Young Turks. Uh, I got a great guest for you guys. Jason calls in the studio. He's a congressional candidate in Washington's second district. Jason, uh, welcome to the program, brother. Thank you very much for having me here. Okay. Uh, so, Jason, uh, we already have a Democrat in in, in the uh, district that you're running in. No, we don't. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, what? All right. Uh, what, what's the situation? Who's the incumbent? Uh, his name's Rick Larson. Uh, he's been there for 20 years. I believe he's running for his 11th term. Um, He's a very conservative Democrat. He's part of this new Democrat coalition. Um, he takes a ton of corporate PAC money from the industries that are killing the planet and killing the economy. And I think people are really ready to see change. Mm -hmm. Well, look, uh, I hear from uh, Washington media and, and Washington Democrats that uh, money doesn't corrupt people uh, and that those corporations are giving uh, for their health uh, and, and for your health. Right. Uh, so I'm sure that's how much money has he taken? Uh, over uh, the 20 years, he's taken $14.5 million um, over uh, uh, 20 years, and 75% uh, of that has been corporate PAC money. Okay, but those corporations, uh, they're probably giving it to him. What do you think? Was it was over charity? Um, I, well, I think they they want to give him charity. I think they want to see him reelected, but they're not doing it for the consist, constituents of the district. No. Yeah, uh, and uh, because there's one thing about corporations, uh, they don't care about making money at all. Not at all. Yeah, they've no. never cared about it, and so that's why they give 14 and a half million dollars to Democrats. Now, are you going to sit here and tell me that he sometimes voted with those corporations? Um, he has more than sometimes voted with those corporations. In fact, uh, you know, many of the votes that he has taken that I'm trying to hold him accountable for actually were with the Republicans when the Democrats actually opposed. Uh, you know, for instance, um, he's he's working on deregulating the banks. Uh, he's uh, voted in favor of the wealthy on a, on a state estate tax issues. Um, so. Yeah, uh, the the corporations are getting their money's worth out of uh, purchasing his seat. Okay, so Jason, uh, then let's come to you. Um, first, what's your story? Uh, I mean, you, so the rest of the media would say, "Oh, this guy's not a politician." You were done with it, right? right. Okay. Uh, so, what are you? Well, I've been a, essentially a street activist for thirty years. I got my involvement in politics when I was nineteen years old at the University of Washington when we invaded Iraq the first time. Um, I've been an anti-war activist for that long. Um, when uh, the Bernie movement uh, got going in 2015, um, as somebody who had followed Bernie uh, on Brunch with Bernie with Tom Hartman for a long time, oh, yeah. uh, I was really ready to jump into the fight with Bernie. Um, I. Uh, realized uh, with a number of other progressives in Washington state what we needed to do to kind of take over the Democratic Party. So we really pushed uh, progressives filing for that local grassroots PCO office. And we ended up um, taking over some leadership positions uh, in Washington state. I got myself elected to the uh, Washington State Democrats Central Committee, where I've been there pushing progressive resolutions and platform issues and essentially fighting the establishment uh, at the state party level. Um, and uh, part of my fight there has been to identify to the state Democratic Party uh, that while our platform is extremely progressive, and I know because I helped write um, a lot of it, uh, that we do not have the progressive representation that is willing to stand up for that platform. And it's really time to demand better. So the Tagline for my campaign is demand better. Uh, we can do a whole lot better in Washington State than Rick Larson. And I have to say that uh, out of uh, we have six uh, out of our seven um, House representatives in Washington State that are, are not progressive. I mean, really, the only progressive we have representing us in Washington State is Pramila Jayapal, um, and we've got to do better uh, to represent our platform. 
Yeah, you know, so since you're part of the Central Committee and in, in that sense, part of the Democratic Party in Washington, what's been your experience with those representatives? So if the Democratic Party and the Central Committee goes to them and maybe like beseeches them or gives them facts and logic or says, hey, look, here's where our platform is or here's where the voters are, does that tend to work? Well, the thing is, our current Democratic Party leadership is essentially an arm of the DNC. And so our current Democratic Party leadership is quite happy to continue supporting these right wing politicians. They are definitely playing the money game. They are not happy with somebody like me that is continually trying to hold them accountable to the platform. And so really the state party chair in Washington is already on the stump for Rick Larson. And you know that's, that's what grassroots people running for office have to contend with. The state parties are typically establishment. And we've been trying to get progressives to file for this PCO office so we continue to make inroads in terms of taking over the party. People don't like that aggressive term, but I really, I feel that's what needs to happen. So I'm not gonna get any help from the establishment. That's just the way it goes. I don't know what people want. Like, okay, let's not take over the party and do what? Ask, do pretty please for 20 straight years? Yeah. Like, we've already done it for 40 years. It hasn't worked. What do you think? Another 40 years of pretty please is gonna work? Well, they're, they're really more concerned with winning with a D behind that name rather than having that D actually stand for something. Yeah. Uh, so, but look, uh, this district is uh, purple or red, right? I mean, that's why you need a conservative Democrat in no, there. No, it's a blue district. We oh, are, really? We are, we are a plus 10 blue district. Mm. Um, Rick Larson's only serious challenge uh, came back in 2010 uh, with a, a Republican, and uh, he still won the district by 10 points. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay, they have no excuse. They, they just say um, they're hooked on the money. Uh, so, now let's talk about your planks. Okay, by the way, if you want to find out more, callforcongress.com, which is kind of a fun website. It's yeah, your last name happens to be called. <laughs> it's pretty neat. Uh, I guess you're answering the call. I am answering will. the call. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what do you got? What's your top priorities? Uh, top priorities are uh, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, getting money out of politics, uh, stopping the forever wars. Um, I mean, the list goes on. It's really hard to choose a top, top priority. Um, but I'm a board member of a, an activist group in Washington called Whole Washington, and we are trying to bring single payer health care to Washington State. Um, I want to plug wholewashington.org if people want to help out that effort. Um, but if we cannot get Medicare for all on federal level, we want to make sure we get it on the state level. And then uh, once people see that it single payer does work on state level, then hopefully it will, it will expand to the federal level. Um, so that's been a top issue for me. Um, you know, I have a personal story with my mother. My mother was um, went through a essentially a botched surgery. And the insurance companies did not let her stay more than a single day in the hospital. Um, she went home and had um, some critical uh, uh, effects from that surgery that put her back in the hospital for two years and she spent the rest of her life. She died in 2014 after spending 10 years on a walker. And if the insurance companies had just let her stay in the hospital for a couple of days longer, they would have caught the issue that had gone bad and it would have saved her health for the rest of her life. But it would have also saved them a ton of money because they ended up having to pay out for 10 years of, you know, multiple surgeries beyond that. And so we have an incredibly dysfunctional healthcare system. And I believe Medicare for all is the answer to that. 
But Jason, when you go into Congress, uh, Nancy Pelosi is gonna say, I don't care for Medicare for all, uh, and I'm the leader. And uh, Jason, if you go around asking for a vote on it, forget winning, even asking for a vote, if you dare to do that, you'll be hurting your colleagues, your colleagues in the purple districts. Uh, we need them for the majority. Uh, and so they don't wanna vote for Medicare for all then because they'll be embarrassed. So Jason, don't hurt your colleagues, and if you do, you're a bad person. What do you say? Well, um, I do. I do not believe that uh, the right-wing Democrats like uh, Nancy Pelosi are representing their constituents, whether their constituents are um, conservative or uh, liberal. Um, I think uh, the the polling shows that all people will benefit from a Medicare for all system, and uh, most Democrats and and a majority of uh, Republicans are supportive of it. And so when the establishment Democrats come back with uh, those kind of responses. Um, you know what I would say is, well, that's the money talking. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Uh, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> so uh, you also talk about uh, firearms in your uh, uh, literature and proposals. So sure. what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I do believe that we need uh, stronger firearms controls. Uh, my platform committee in 2018 what it wrote what is now on the books, um, as we call it, the reasonable firearms control resolution. Um, the one uh, part of that that we tried to get into the resolution was insurance, and it turns out that no insurance company will insure homeowners for gun liability. So that just tells you right there um, that the insurance companies know how uh, dangerous firearms are. Um, but I don't believe that anybody needs um, weapons of war uh, as, as personal um, toys. Uh, so I would seek an outright ban on AR-15, AK-47 style guns. Um, I'm not trying to take away anybody's uh, home uh, pistol. I, I, you know, even though uh, we know that uh, most of the gun deaths come from revolver type guns and a lot of them are suicides. I think what goes along with that is uh, uh, better uh, mental health. Um, services uh, to, to help people who are struggling. Um, and uh, you know, that's really, uh, guns are a tough issue because uh, people wanna fall back on the second amendment, but I do believe the second amendment needs some updating and revision uh, for the modern age. And I think if that means um, that we've gotta take away these um, weapons, essentially weapons of mass destruction that are, uh, that are in personal hands. Um, uh, but I would also add to that, I think we need to demilitarize demilitarize the police. Um, I think a lot of the pushback on that is, well, if the police have these guns, I need these kind of guns for my home defense, and I think that we should just wipe them out completely. Yeah, so look, I, I think the Second Amendment uh, needs an update too. I mean, I think that if you it says you have a right to bear arms, it should at least be part of a well-regulated militia. Right, which we already have. Oh, right, that is the Second <laughs> Amendment. Oh, and, and none of you are in a well-regulated militia, but anyway. Uh, Jason Call, uh, running in Washington's 2nd District, call for uh, congress.com. And uh, the Democratic Party establishment will not answer the call. Uh, big corporate PACs will not answer the call. So that leaves you guys. So call for congress.com. Thank you for coming in, Jason. Appreciate it very much, Cenk. Thank you. No problem. All right, uh, when we come back, uh, progressive just like Jason, but he's in Congress, Rokan. All right, back on the Young Turks. Uh, now joining me, uh, legendary Congressman Ro Khanna from California's 17th District. Um, how are you doing, Congressman? Cenk, I'm doing well. Are you getting in this congressional race? No comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think strong progressives like you would be great. Thank you, brother, appreciate that. Um, 
So uh, let's talk about the news of the day for a little bit. Uh, so uh, impeachment uh, hearings have begun. Uh, they're being televised and doesn't look good uh, for Trump. How toast is he? Here is what was so compelling about Ambassador Taylor and George Kent. They came uh, off as career uh, officials who dedicated themselves to the country. You know, when you even have Republicans saying we respect your service, uh, it's clear these aren't partisan individuals. Uh, they testified about issues they had even uh, with Vice President Biden's judgment. But here was the main fact. They basically confirmed that the president withheld uh, aid uh, unless Zelensky investigated Biden and announced this investigation. And so uh, I think it was very compelling and uh, it's going to move people. So Congressman, how do we deal with the other side? Because they live in a different planet. Uh, and so uh, Axios now reporting that Trump's team uh, happy with how the first day went. I saw it with my own eyes. It was devastating, right? It was one guy after another saying, yeah, there was a deal where you know he had to investigate his political opponents if you wanted uh, military aid. That's extortion, it's campaign finance law violations, it's it's all of it. And and they go squirrel, right? Oh, oh yeah, I'm yeah. angry about the whistleblower. So how do you deal with their bucket of squirrels? Well, they uh, don't believe in facts, but uh, this is a real test for a democracy. I mean, you had two individuals who were not partisan, who were understated, uh, which is a, a refreshing change in Washington. They weren't playing for the cameras. You know, I think Ambassador Taylor said, I'm not trying to be a star witness. They just were laying out the facts as they saw them. I believe most people watching at home are gonna say, I believe what they're saying, I believe uh, that the president really abused his office. Uh, these individuals have nothing to gain from testifying. They are doing so at great courage. And uh, the Republicans saw, okay, there are no fireworks. Uh, and they think uh, that that may be a good thing. I view that as a, a problem for them, that you have witnesses who are credible and sticking to the facts. And that's gonna sway a lot of the independents who we need. See, I'm glad I asked, but that's what it is. I didn't understand why they thought it was a good day when it was actually devastating. Now I get it, because nobody yelled. So they're <laughs> like, oh, we must have won, because no one yelled. Oh God, they're unbelievable, they're unbelievable. Okay, so uh, now keeping it real on the on this impeachment, it already publicly available, uh, whether it was a private uh, hearings that now are, have public transcripts or even on the first say, the stuff that we've seen. There's no question he broke those two laws. Uh, one is uh, soliciting uh, campaign help from a foreign country and the other is extortion on the quid pro quo. So is there any chance he doesn't get impeached by the House? No, I mean, the House is gonna impeach him. The, the question is, what does the Senate do? And I'm tired of people like Mitt Romney saying, well, it's a serious problem, but I'm not gonna support an inquiry or impeachment. I mean, the irony here is Donald Trump has called for impeaching Mitt Romney and Mitt Romney hasn't called for impeaching Donald Trump. <laughs> the, the, the point is we need a few Republicans who say, uh, I care about the Constitution, I care about facts, and I'm gonna have the guts to come out and vote for impeachment. I don't think it would take that many, by the way. If you have three, four people, this could quickly snowball uh, given the mountain of evidence. But what's keeping Trump uh, protected is that there hasn't been a single Republican uh, willing to break so far. So Ro, uh, how about this question? Uh, and I'm curious how they would answer it. Um, what crimes do you think President Trump should be allowed to commit? Because. <laughs> You, you can't argue that a soliciting campaign uh, right. help 
for a foreign country is not a crime. That's you just it's that's an impossible argument. And did he do that? It's an impossible argument. He definitely did it. Definitely everybody knows it. That's why they argue about process. That's why they want to yell at the whistleblower. Who cares who the whistleblower is? We already have half a dozen witnesses who already confirmed what the whistleblower said. So I'm curious, like, okay, if he's allowed to break that law and extortion, and then there was the hush money payments, which is another campaign finance law violation, his co-conspirators and chair, there was obstruction. So is there a form in which you guys can ask the Republicans, what other laws can he break? At what point would you say, okay, fine, is it armed robbery? Is it a mugging? What would compel you to say, yes, that's that crime is impeachment worthy? That's a great question, Jenk, and we should ask that because that really has become the Republican now defense. Yeah, we acknowledge now that there was a quid pro quo. We acknowledge that the president withheld aid from a foreign leader uh, unless the foreign leader did what the president wanted uh, in digging up dirt to his uh, on his political rival. Uh, we acknowledge, uh, b by the way, that uh, you shouldn't ask a, a foreign leader to investigate an American citizen, as Nikki Haley is saying. But you know what? We just think all of these things, they're not impeachable. I mean, that's literally their defense that, yes, it was wrong, it was illegal, it was unethical, but it doesn't rhyme to high, it rise to high crimes and misdemeanors. Yet, of course, all of, all of them thought that uh, what Bill Clinton did uh, rose to high crimes and misdemeanors. So uh, it's a fair question. At, at, at what point uh, uh, would they be willing to hold this president accountable? I think the one true statement the president has made in his uh, years as a candidate and president is that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue uh, and he wouldn't lose a lot of his his base. And uh, it seems that uh, they, there he was telling the, the truth. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's the bar. I don't know. I don't know if that's below or above the bar. Uh, so can you do a mugging? Can you do an armed robbery? Can you shoot someone on Fifth Avenue? At what point do you say it's an impeachable offense? So we might find out soon enough. But I do want to uh, talk about policy as well. So um, this is also quite literal question. Are we going to vote on anything uh, for the rest of this congressional term? On prescription drugs, I hope we will. On HR3, which would allow Medicare to negotiate on prescription drugs. We've talked about that earlier. Progressives are still pushing to see if that bill will include uh, many drugs. And uh, the, the problem is, look, the pharmaceutical biotech companies are uh, swarming the hill. Some of them met with me today. Uh, and I said, okay, give me your argument. They said, well, it's gonna hurt uh, innovation. And then I said, well, insulin was invented 100 years ago. How is it going to hurt insulin for, from coming to the market? Well, how is it gonna hurt Humira, which has 183 patents? Of course, they don't have answers to the actual uh, facts. And the thing with progressives is we'll engage them. We'll meet with them, we'll engage them. Uh, but I haven't heard credible response. The problem is uh, our leadership, as we've discussed earlier, they're not uh, doing the full amount of drugs and they're trying to limit it from 25, 35 drugs. And it puts us obviously in a very difficult position. I mean, do I think a bill with 25 or 35 drugs is better than nothing? Sure, and I think progressives will uh, believe that. But uh, it's not near what we promised the American people. So, uh, Congressman, how does that process work? So, if you if a progressive wants to put an amendment saying, you know what, I'd like to negotiate drug prices on all drugs uh, because that's the logical position. Um, what happens with that amendment? Well, the amendment uh, wouldn't be ruled in order or make it through the Energy and Commerce Committee. Uh, so you, you, you know, we can do that as a symbolic uh, measure, but it's not actually going to change the bill. 
uh, to actually change the bill, we've got to talk to uh, people on uh, Speaker Pelosi's staff. In fact, I was joking around, I can tell you this and your list, your viewers, that uh, I was joking around that some of the uh, people of the Speaker's staff view themselves as perhaps more powerful than the members of Congress. So we're out there advocating with them saying, let's get these priorities in. And I, I do give uh, Mark Pocan and Pramila Jayapal a lot of credit. I mean, oh, they're pushing the envelope as much as they can, but we could use a few more progressives. You know, the more numbers we have, uh, the better. And I'm not talking about 93 members who call themselves part of the Progressive Caucus. I'm talking about, you know, the people like the Justice Democrats and a few others who are really willing to go to the mat on this issue, someone like Lloyd Doggett. Yep, uh, justdemocrats.com. You never know how many progressives could be in Congress. Um, so uh, now, other than drug prices, um, anything else? That Because I mean, it's just still a long time before the end of the term. Uh, is Democratic leadership talk to you guys about, well, you know, after that, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. What, what is that? There's a, a hope to do infrastructure. I mean, I have advocated that we should still do the $2 trillion infrastructure bill. We shouldn't wait for the Senate or the president to act. Uh, there's a reluctance to do it. People say, oh, why do we wanna cast tough votes before if the Senate isn't gonna go, if the president isn't gonna go? And there's a philosophical difference. My view is you cast votes on our positive agenda. So that the day we have Bernie Sanders, the day we have Elizabeth Warren or whoever the Democratic nominee is, we've got legislation ready to go. Uh, the other side is that you're just playing politics, that you don't wanna do bold things. I mean, I had a bill recently that said, let's have federal waivers so states can do single payer. Why don't we get a vote on that? Why don't we get a vote on Medicare for all? Uh, again, uh, the, the, the progressives have an agenda uh, for the, the the American people, the tough thing is how many of these are are we going to get votes on? Yeah, it's not tough uh, to vote on the bills if you actually had principles. Then you vote with what you believe. Uh, the only reason that it's tough to vote on the bills is because your voters want one thing and your donors want another thing, and then it makes it tough to vote on the bills. But progressives I don't just, have that problem. Yes. You know, I was reading Jimmy Carter in 1976 ran on a single pair bill and won. And by the way, that was Ted Kennedy's bill that was scored by the Nixon uh, Health and Human Services Department at the time. And they said that that was gonna cost 66% of the national health expenditure then. In other words, it was gonna save 33%. Richard Nixon said this. Today, we've got the think tanks on our side saying that it's gonna increase costs uh, single payer by 140%. So uh, just to put all of this in perspective, our politics are way less progressive than they were at the time of Richard Nixon. And what progressives are saying is not actually radical. It's saying, let's do things that Harry Truman uh, wanted to do, Lyndon Johnson wanted to do, Ted Kennedy wanted to do, Jimmy Carter wanted to do. Let's stand for something again as a Democratic Party. Yeah, uh, it isn't uh, hard if you aren't taking money from the health insurance and drug industries. But if you are, then yes, then it is very hard to decide what to do. Oh, the voters or my donors. Okay, uh, but look, guys, there are uncorrupted uh, folks in Congress like Roe, and don't take any corporate PAC money. He was one of the first to do that. Uh, so uh, there is hope out there, and and yes, those numbers can multiply. So uh, Roe Khanna, as always, thank you for joining the Young Turks. We appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Cenk, I'm, I'm hoping we get more progressives in uh, California 25th. Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right, uh, we got more coming up for you guys, post games coming up. Uh, tyt.com slash join uh, to become a member so you can get the full three hour Young Turks program. 
they've got more Trump shenanigans, which is going to be fun for everybody. And of course, there is, yes, an announcement tomorrow on the show that could be quite exciting. We'll be right back.